mm-hmm. and and he unilaterally destroyed them. And at that point, I said that we got to make sure that that Texans have a choice at the next election cycle to get rid of someone who who's done that to us. Michelle Evans, the political director for Texans for Vaccine Choice. And today I'm really honored to have Don Huffines, former state senator Don Huffines on the show today. Um, how are you, Don? I am great, Michelle. I am fantastic. I'm ready for a new year. You and me both. Um, it's been a successful year, but I'm ready for more successes in the new year. Yes. So let's uh, get a little bit of background on you for everybody listening or watching where did you find yourself in Texas politics? Um, how did you get involved, et cetera, et cetera? Well, I'm a fifth generation Texan, and I've always been interested in politics since I was in high school. And uh, just quick history, I went to my first uh, county convention, Republican County Convention, when I was barely 18 years old, and, and I followed uh, Republican politics ever since. I've been a delegate to probably a dozen state conventions, a delegate to three national conventions, and uh, decided to run for office in 2013 after my five children got old enough and got into college. And Mary Catherine, I've been married uh, 36 years. And at the time, uh, the kids were older, we homeschooled them. So got that burden out of the house and, and uh, wanted to run for the Texas Senate, and I did, and won, and took out a 20-year incumbent, uh, and um, it was there for four years, from 14 to 18. Uh, I served one term and got knocked out by the Democrats in 2018, and I'm from Dallas County. My district was Senate District 16, all in the north half of Dallas County, just Dallas County. Democrats Mm -hmm. finished taking over Dallas County in 18. So I've always been interested in politics. Uh, Ron Paul was kind of my mentor, and I supported him in the 80s and the 90s and a lot of other candidates through that, uh, through the process over the decades. And I really believe in liberty. Well, I'm guessing with those sort of credentials that you have been a longtime advocate for vaccine choice and medical liberty, um, how exactly did you come to that stance? Well, actually, maybe I could trace a little bit of it back to my childhood. My mother was always interested in alternative medicine. She was always interested in supplements and health food and things like that ever since I was a a youngster. And, and, but I was vaccinated as a kid and, and I believed what the government said. And, and as like most Americans, we trusted government to a certain extent. I probably was, uh, less trustful than most. And, and that's why I was always more in the libertarian wing of the Republican Party, uh, because I, I was always suspicious of government. And, and that's what got me really motivated in, in, in fighting for personal liberty as well as economic liberty. And when you were in the state Senate, what was sort of the response amongst your colleagues, both in the House and the Senate, um, about your vaccine choice advocacy or your, your, you know, supporting medical liberty across the board? 
Well, look, most people, like I just said, have a tendency uh, to trust our government, whether it's uh, local government, uh, state government, or federal government, particularly federal government. Uh, and I don't. I, I just felt like that there's, it's pretty naive to think they're going to tell the truth. And they don't. Mm -hmm. And of course, they're going to manipulate the truth to, 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 to accomplish whatever their goals are. And when I got to Austin, it really wasn't an eye-opening experience, a real awakening for me, because uh, I really realized that most of government and politicians aren't there to solve problems. Uh, right. That's not why they're there. They're there for power, uh, and they're there to fix some. Sometimes they're there to fix the symptoms of a problem, but never the problem itself. And so we spend most of our time fixing the the problem, the symptoms they tried to fix the previous sessions. <laughs> and so they they're not there for our liberty. They, most of them don't have a philosophical belief in the proper mm -hmm. role of government, which, of course, is always to defend your God-given liberties. Our liberties come from God and not the government. The government's our biggest threat to our our God-given liberties. They, they really don't get that. They, they don't understand that. So my struggle in Austin was always to try to educate other office holders to that effect. But after being there, it was, it was a frustrating experience that it is for a lot of people that have philosophical beliefs like I do. And most people don't, uh, fellow politicians, uh, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to talk about it. Everyone's kind of isolated on this island and everyone's competing with everyone else. You know, if, if somebody else uh, gets accolades or gets a bill done or something like that, well, that takes away my power or that's right. how they think. Right. They're not cheering on their fellow workers, co-workers to get anything done because they think that takes away from them. And so it's kind of a it's kind of it's it is a very mean, vindictive environment, and it, the politicians are professional liars, and they really are. And they that's how they make their living is convincing people that they're telling the truth when they know they're not. Well, so let's for, fast forward a little bit. Um, twenty twenty, COVID hits, and everything goes into complete disarray. But at that point, you kind of came out um, uh, from your life of, you know, retirement from politics, so to speak, and decided to run for governor, correct? Yes, that's correct, did, Michelle. I was, uh, <laughs> I lost in 18. And, uh, and then when the Wuhan virus hit, um, I felt like this was the biggest assault on our liberty uh, that had ever, ever happened to America, even more than wartime stuff or about the same, but really worse because I never really believed that this was an accident. I never really believed that this wasn't man-made. It was man-made. And I think that's unarguable. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> when they came out with the, initially in February 20, the federal government's they, and they said, oh, this came from bat soup in China. I thought nobody's going to believe that. Who's stupid enough to, you know, but they did. And of course, it's not true. And, and so this was a 
I think, a premeditated attack on Americans and the world uh, by uh, big government, by the deep state. It, it made sure that Trump wouldn't win the presidency. And, and so I had to get involved. And I led, helped lead some of the protests in Austin around the Capitol. We marched around the Capitol. We marched around the governor's mansion demanding, uh, uh, you know, open this Texas, not to shut Texas down. And, uh, and that really, we, it was a lonely battle. It was really amazing. I thought uh, when, when we lost all of our liberty due to the governor, and it's really his call on all of it. it he, he could have done anything he wanted, and he empowered the local governments to shut our schools down and to require vaccine man, you know, mandates, and, and, and we just lost all of our liberty. Uh, and he didn't have the authority to do any of that, to take away our liberty because he doesn't give us our liberty. God, government doesn't give us our liberty, as I previously said. God does. These are natural rights that we have. Mm-hmm. And and he unilaterally destroyed them. And at that point, I said that we got to make sure that that Texans have a choice at the next election cycle to get rid of someone who who's done that to us. And so what was your experience on the campaign trail talking about? I've, I've heard you share the story of your daughter attending church without a mask and the the traumatic experience that she had there. What, what was the response um, across Texas whenever you would share that story and, and her experience? Well, thank you, Michelle. That's a great question. Uh, uh, at first I didn't went around the campaign trail. We worked it really hard. I ran a great campaign, raised a lot of money just to give you a background on that. We had 11 field offices open around the state and I, I was in it to win. I knew it was a very slight chance of that happening to beat an incumbent governor it never has happened and in either either party uh but we were sure we sure put up a good fight and we really led the narrative on all the issues for the last two sessions Uh, i I think he pivoted hard to the right the governor did and and the previous session in this session he followed that up and really echoed most of my campaign uh topics but when i started telling the story about my daughter uh getting arrested in the middle of a service at church um, because she wouldn't wear a mask because she was pregnant uh, and she had morning sickness. And they came into the church, three Dallas policemen to taser and arrest her and her husband with their babies. Uh, it, it, it was amazing. It was a great story. And I would lead off my speeches that way because people were like uh, just in shock. You know, they couldn't believe it. And that's why I would tell the story, because that is indicative of the liberty that we lost. Abbott mm-hmm. shut our churches down over Easter. He shut every church down. He said no one could go to church. And he did it over Easter. And I just thought that surely folks wouldn't uh, vote for a man that did this to us. But they did. And uh, but it showed and it, I think the shocking part of that story was the fact that no one in that and that congregation stood up or did anything to help in that process. They were they just ignored it. And that's what happens when tyranny is so prevalent. Is that, oh, I'm just so glad, glad it's not me, honey. Look, they got that little couple over there and they're going to take them to jail for not wearing a mask. I mean, it's uh, it's a shocking thought, but it's really real. 
So let's go to the most recent, I would say session, but sessions, multiple sessions. We've had four so far this year. What has your take been on the the successes of medical liberty and where you see there still needs to be work done going forward? Well, first, I want to say that I, I was so pleased that vaccine choice was available to Lena when I was in the legislature. Uh, they y'all did a great job. And from 15 to 19, the two sessions I was there and and I was happy to help any way I could because I am a, always been a great advocate for uh, vaccine choice. The government has no business telling me uh, that I need that I should have to take a vaccine. Uh, we don't know what's in it. And I always mm-hmm. wondered this, Michelle, always, why is it that the that the pro vaccine people are so worked up about us that don't want a vaccine? Because they've already been vaccinated, right? Yeah. So they can't get, they supposedly aren't going to get the illness or whatever it's the measles or whatever, the mumps or the, or whatever you're getting vaccine for. Well, if you got the shot, what are you worried about? They right. just freak out if we don't give our kids the measles vaccine because we're going to give measles to the kids in the school. Well, the kids are supposed to have, if they already got the vaccine, what are they worried about? I had, yeah. you know, it's just typical. I've had the measles and you guys have done such a great job in educating people now and just the regular Texans about the 72 vaccines now. I think how many is it up to like 78? Well, they've, since they added COVID and RSV, um, I have not recounted, but it's quite a few. <laughs> it's more yeah, than it's like, ever. <laughs> and of course, we're going to have react. People have reactions to these vaccines. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's one or the other. Maybe it's the it, this this affects something else that they've already got an issue with, or like uh, comor- comorbidity issues or whatever. But one to two percent of of millions is tens of thousands, as you guys know, these are extremely dangerous. The government has no business telling us what to stick in our body. And, uh, and, and what COVID did was really awaken, I think, Americans and Texans in general, that the government cannot be trusted. Right. And that, that we've been lied to, like I already said, that, and if you want to trust them, fine, take it. I'm all for it. You know, hey, go out there and take it a thousand times. But you have no right to require me to take it or anyone else that's anyone else that needs a job or works for the government or works for a private employer or goes to school. And you're not going to poison, potentially poison us with mm-hmm. something like that. So uh, I think, uh, unfortunately, uh, the Wuhan virus had a positive effect. And you guys did a great job last session. Congratulations on getting some significant legislation done. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the kind words. I remember going to your office in 2015 with um, a woman from, at the time she lived in, um, on the West Coast. Now she lives near Dallas. Um, Her daughter died as a result of a tainted TDAP lot in the nineties. Um, and so she had a, a very high profile case with vaccine court, but she was making the rounds, um, in offices. And we, I remember taking a photo in your very well-appointed office, very. Oh yeah. Um, I had the best decorated office <laughs> you did. in the Capitol. You absolutely did. Now Mays Middleton is taking that, um, award because his is quite well-decorated as well. Um, but I wanted to go back a little bit. You mentioned you started off in politics. 
um, as a delegate. We in, in 2024, one of our main goals is to um, double potentially the number of vaccine choice delegates who go to the state convention. And we, you know, as we, as you know, we have a great network of volunteers, but really putting those boots on the ground um, is kind of our, our big goal in 2024. What kind of words of advice would you give to somebody who's starting from nothing and is interested in going to the conventions and their um, county and districts and then heading to the state convention? Well, get involved. Uh, it, that's very important is to be a precinct chair where it starts there. And there, in mm -hmm. almost every county, their seats open in precincts. Mm -hmm. uh, to be a precinct chair and be a good one and, and learn how to what that means. That means walking blocks, knowing all the voters in your precinct, the Republicans, getting great turnout. Then going to your county conventions or your district, senatorial district convention. They're basically the same. And and then uh, go to your state convention. We have a robust state convention. It's the largest political convention in, in, in the world, actually, and certainly in the United States. Probably six to eight thousand delegates go, mm -hmm. and uh, this year it's it's going to be in San Antonio. It's always in the primary years, and it's tons of fun. Everybody has a great time, and everybody can vote. And you really learn the process because their party runs everything. The Republican right. Party does. We elect, you know, their, our senatorial district. I mean, our SREC people, our national uh, 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 delegates, and. Uh, so for the national conventions, and they're the ones that pick the president of the United States. And uh, But it's a great, great learning experience. We have a great party platform. It's one of my favorite things to do is vote for the party platform. And I carried it with me wherever I went in Austin. And and you can, every delegate gets to vote on the planks in the party platform. And it de clearly defines who we are as Texas Republicans. And it's the best in the nation. And uh, but that's one way to be active. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you another way uh, that what I'd like to see everybody do is not not listen to the top down. I think we're so much more powerful as a group where vaccine choice is and and liberty lovers in general and and is to work it from the bottom up. And that I don't want to tell people what they can or can't do. I want them to use their own imagination, their own initiative to come up with ideas of how to to further our own personal liberty, how to further educating other Texans about vaccine choice or about liberty in general and uh, economic and personal and whether they want to create meetups or do whatever they want to do, create new organizations like like you guys did, like Rebecca did. And, uh, but it, we need, I want people to, to rely on themselves. The power of the individual is unlimited. And for them to sit back and, and focus on what is it I could do and come up with something creative, create new pods, podcasts or, or new venues to get messages out or, or run for office. There's so many things they could do. I, I, we're we're just always better off as a bottom up organizations than we are top down. Well, that's great advice. I appreciate that. We we're trying to hammer home that message amongst all of our outreach coordinators that this is the most important thing you can do. Like you said, be a precinct chair, run for office. I think people are quite intimidated by the idea of running for office, but 
I don't know about you, but I had a really good time running in 2022. It was, it was a joy, like meeting all of those people being involved. It was um, just a lot of fun for me. Um, but I want to uh, let you take a moment to talk about what you're up to now and where people can find you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Mm -hmm. Well, I've created the Huffines uh, Liberty Foundation, and it's a kind of like a think tank. It really is, but it's a targeted think tank. And we're here mm -hmm. to solve the, the problems that affect Texas and the U.S., but mainly Texas. We're, uh, not the, and we're here to, we're to, um, to come up with the solutions, and we're not here to solve the symptoms of the problem. We're here to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And we have great white papers. You can go to our website, huffinesliberty.com, and uh, you can read uh, the solutions to the problems that we've tackled, we're tackling, which is, of course, the primary problem is the border, uh, property tax. Uh, we have some on, we, I think we have one or two white papers on, on uh, medical freedom and uh, other things, term limits. You, and so we're focused on stuff that the state legislature can get done, and we're calling mm -hmm. people out. Uh, I, I have no qualms about calling legislators out and, and our uh, so-called elected Republicans out because some of them aren't actual Republicans. They're just got an R by their name so they can win an election. Mm -hmm. But that's what I'm focused on is is educating Texans uh, about the solutions to a lot of issues that affect Texas. And toughhindsliberty.com? That's correct. HuffinesLiberty.com and it's the Huffines Liberty Foundation. Awesome. It's a C3. Well, yeah. I appreciate your time and I appreciate all that you have done and continue to do to uh, promote and support medical liberty and vaccine choice in Texas. Um, and I look forward to everybody hearing more about your story and what you're up to now. Well, thank you, Michelle. Oh, before I forget, remind Thanks. everybody that fluoride in the water is not a good thing either <laughs> that we should focus on on the forced medication in our own water by their own water department so i 100 percent agree i have a big filter on my countertop it takes off and takes up half of my counter there but worth worth every penny yeah well thank you for having me on michelle and, and thank y'all and congratulations and thank you so much for everything you're doing for my medical freedom and everybody in texas Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to the Shot Callers podcast. Please, if you found value in this content, rate us and share the podcast with a friend. It's a great way to get the message out and to empower everyone to make informed decisions. Until next time, never forget, we are the Shot Callers.